to the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast, coming to you from the Playdraft Studios, with your hosts, Mike Wright, Ben Cummins, and Chris Meany. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. This is the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. I am your host, Mike the Fantasy Hitman Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at FFHitman. I'm joined, per the usual, by Ben Cummins. You find him on Twitter at Ben Cummins FF. Ben Cummins, it is the divisional round. I hope that your body is ready. Of course, of course. Mike and Meanie, what is going on? I'm excited to talk some divisional DFS with both of you. It is absolutely the best weekend in all of professional sports, dare I say, because it's the best weekend of football, which en so facto makes it the best weekend of sports in the entire history of the world. We are joined, per usual, by Chris Meany from the Fantasy Sports Network. You can follow him on Twitter at Chris Meany. What's going on, Meany? How you doing? Hey, doing great, man. Yeah, you're right. Best weekend in sports in the world. I'm fired up. Nothing like it. Divisional round playoffs. Let's go. Get that World Cup crap out of my face. That's what I say. And give me a divisional weekend every time. Like I said, welcome to the Fantasy Footballers DFS podcast. This is the place for DFS for the rest of us, trying to make things just a little bit easier, give you that confidence when you're trying to take down the giants of FanDuel, Draft, and DraftKings. The show in the uh, playoffs, if you joined us last week, it runs a little bit different because it's such a small slate, only the four games. We actually go game by game, and we break down everything we possibly can. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and do that, fellas. We're going to start right at the top. Right at the tippy-tippy top, Falcons, Eagles, an unfortunate position for the 13-3 and three Eagles who are not favored at home. I mean, at, fellas, do you know of any other time where the number one seed who is coming off a bye week for the playoffs is not favored it's never at happened. home? It's I never do happened. not. Okay, that, that's what I've And, and in fact, what I've the figured. Eagles, this will be the fourth time that they're home underdogs in the playoffs. And remarkably, they're 3-0 and in those games with a winning margin of 17. But yeah, this is this is nothing new for, for Philly at home in the playoffs. You heard it here, folks. Chris Meany <laughs> is calling for Nick Meany Foles hot with to the lead stats. the Eagles to victory. I already told you last week, Foles is going to be on the sidelines <laughs> with a duke on his head. He's going to be crying. <laughs> you never underestimate the duke. <laughs> oh, fair enough. All right. Uh, so, fellas, like I said, the Eagles are not favored. There was We got a 41 point over under. We have uh, – it's going to be cloudy as of what we know right now, but shouldn't be too bad. And always check your weather updates as you get closer to the weekend because things change rapidly on that front. But we're going to start with the Falcons, the road team. Matt Ryan coming off a pretty solid performance. Uh, the Falcons' defense, toot toot, mm. probably the great, best play of the great weekend. Great call, be- Mikey. Great call. Thank you. Because I, I don't know. It a, a Big shout out to Farrell Cooper for making it possible for my <laughs> real, real for talk. my pick. If if Cooper doesn't fumble those two balls, I don't know if it works out uh, exactly that way. But let's start with Chris Meany. Matt Ryan, are you interested in playing him this weekend? You know, I told you last week I wasn't interested in Matt Ryan. And yeah, he played a good game. And you were a fool. But it wasn't a good fantasy game. What is it, 13 points? This guy, it, it, he, yeah, he, yeah. It, it's... <laughs> 
It's just, I haven't seen that ceiling get reached yet with Matt Ryan. I mean, we'll talk in DraftKings, he's hit that 20-point mark, but in fantasy, he hadn't. And I was looking at the top 38, 38 quarterbacks in fantasy. He's one of only two to not hit that 20-point mark. And the other one was Marcus Mariota. Now he had a decent game last week, caught a touchdown uh, that he threw to himself. He caught his own touchdown. But for Matt Ryan, I understand why people may want to play him in tournaments. You get the narrative of the Eagles' run defense and how you can't run on this team. We'll get into that in a little bit. But Matt Ryan, I was looking back at last season, his historic offense. This team averaged 34 points per game over 19 games, including the playoffs. Matt Ryan and the Falcons went into Philadelphia They lost, and they only put up 15 points. It was the worst completion percentage he had on the year at 52%. It was the worst quarterback rating he had on the year at 49. Schwartz dialed up some pressure and got after him. And this defense is a lot better over their last five home games. They've only allowed 52 points. There's going to be some wind in Philly that's been known. A lot of people are talking about that's why the reason Foles has struggled. Let's be real. It's because it's Nick Foles. But it's not going to be easy for Matt Ryan, and I think they're still going to lean on the run. And I know they were up last week, and and they leaned on the run. They were able to do that because of the game script but I'm I'm gonna continue to to shy away from Matt Ryan I have no problem with playing him in a, in a couple spots in tournaments I like his pass catchers how can you not but for me it's 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 he's not the quarterback I'm after this weekend the final six weeks of the season the Eagles defense uh they were a, a bit of a mixed bag against fantasy quarterbacks they were giving up over 15 points a game running backs they were shutting them down like they were shutting running backs down all season long, ranked sixth against the position. However, 26th against fantasy wide receivers. So they were susceptible through the air, and they did shut down the tight end position, uh, although uh, Austin Hooper at this point is nothing more than you have no salary left and you're praying that Austin Hooper can catch a touchdown. Ben, how are you handling the running backs and the wide receiver crew for Atlanta. Yeah, I think the Falcons are going to win, which should be good for their offense. But the game is obviously still in Philly. The Eagles defense is still pretty solid. So I do want to get some exposure to the Falcons, but I'm kind of with Meany. I'm not really interested in Matt Ryan. And so that comes down to the two running backs like you touched on. And of course, Julio and Sanu, because Taylor Gabriel didn't even see a target last week. And like you said, it did not work out for Hooper for me last week. And he just has not been involved enough. So you really have shallow distribution, which is good because it makes it easier to predict. Again, think the Falcons offense should have some success. And so I'm kind of looking at it from the standpoint of obviously I want some Julio Jones like you touched on. They really don't have any cornerbacks there that can cover him. Nobody in this world can cover him. So you have to get some exposure to him. But he is my fourth favorite wide receiver on the slate. And we'll touch on some of those guys here in a little bit. So because... What about your boy Sanu? Exactly. So because of that, I want some exposure, but I kind of want some cheaper exposure because I just don't love the spot for the Falcons. So I'm looking at Sanu because it allows you to save some salary and Sanu can get you that five for 60 in the touchdown game. And that's all you're going to need. So like Sanu a little bit more, kind of like throwing him in there at that, you know, kind of affordable price. And then again, it comes down to Freeman and Coleman. And I mean, take your pick. It's really hard to predict. I'm looking at it from the standpoint of I want Coleman. I'm get, I'm putting Coleman in a lot more of my lineups just because, and again, I'm looking at this from more of a DraftKings angle. He's so much cheaper than Freeman. If he can get you, which he's been doing a lot this season, like that 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 points, and 
because he's only, I think, $4,400, that's so that's affordable Correct. enough to where that's going to allow you to go get all these other studs that we're going to talk about in these other better games, in my opinion, and, and teams that I want more exposure to. He's where I'm looking because you got to go all the way up to 5,900, I think it is, to play Freeman, and that's a $1,500 gap. So I'm looking at getting some cheap exposure with Coleman and Sanu, and then, of course, making a couple teams with Julio just in case he does what we know he's capable of doing. Yeah, in that game, we Julio did. did go off in that game where Ryan you know, struggled. It, you're right. Nobody on Philadelphia can cover that guy. We did see a sharp increase in snaps for Tevin Coleman. He jumped up to nearly 57% when he had been languishing in sub-40% yes. the previous three weeks. So perhaps they are realizing, hey, Tevin Coleman's pretty freaking right. good. We need to get him in and get him some opportunities. So I'm with Ben that, uh, that I find myself when I'm messing around building these pre preliminary lineups. Tevin Coleman finds himself very I'm, with, off. Yeah, I'm Mike, with you Mike and like that's kind of part of it for me too is it looked like they started to get him going last week of course that can be a fool's errand because you know this is Steve Sarkeesian so uh you know the yeah, very next sure. week it could be completely different but they did give him some targets and he's kind of been up and down in that department but they should keep feeding him because of how talented he is so I'm kind of hoping that's the case and of course that salary saving helps with that yeah, I, I still think I like Coleman as well, guys. I mean, the Eagles, 91 catches allowed to running backs were the third most out of all the teams and I, at 11th, I believe, overall. But I still think Freeman is getting disrespected. You know, since Coleman has been back, he's had 12 more touches. He's had every single touch inside the five. And there's this perspective that the Eagles run defense is phenomenal. Yeah, on the season, if you look at all of the numbers, they are. But if you look at recently in some of the better running backs that they've faced, they've allowed four backs to hit 90 yards, at least 90 yards on the ground in, in yeah, four of their last seven and three in their last four. So is this run defense getting tired? It, it, what's happening there? If you look at the start of the season, they didn't play a lot of spectacular running backs. I think both of these backs are getting um, a little bit disrespected. Both can catch. And I think that's still going to be Atlanta's game plan in Philadelphia is to run the football. Let's move it over to the, the other side of the ball, the number one seed, the Eagles. There is no Carson Wentz. As we all know, it is a sad, sad tale, especially when the punchline is Nick Foles is the starting quarterback. And while his first game back, it looked like, hey, maybe Philadelphia will not be in trouble. Nick Foles absolutely crapped the bed in his final performance against the very beatable Oakland Raiders. So Nick Foles, Chris Meany, are you building any sort of tournament lineup that has Nick Foles just in case, or are you saying, screw that crap, I'm not, I'm not touching yeah, him? Yeah, no, I'm not touching him. You know, you know, I, yeah. I like to get nuts, and we've been nuts here before in Foles, and I think we... we I'd like to be nuts, not insane. Right, we called him against the Giants, but yeah, not insane. Foles has been down this road before. I mean, three years ago, he played a playoff game. He took over from an injured Michael Vick and played a playoff game against the Saints. Uh, he was not good. He is not shown, you know, that he can throw the ball downfield. Um, you know, really, there's a cup. There's one guy I like in this pass passing game. Actually, a couple, but not not for me. Foles is not going to go in any of my lineups. Ben, what are you doing with the running backs? What do we do with Jay Ajayi? It looks week over week that perhaps that Philadelphia was going to turn the keys over to Jay Ajayi. In fact. Uh, his first six or so games, the snaps went up every single week until Oakland. And then they they shot down from 50 down to 40%. Of course, he had the receiving touchdown. 
So his fantasy day turned out okay, but LeGarrette Blunt, Jay Ajayi, Corey Clements, are you making any lineups that have exposure to any of these running backs? Like, Are you just going to go cheap and hope that Corey Clement gets one of those red zone touchdowns? What are you doing? With yeah, that? I'm not really that interested in the Eagles offense at all. Like, what did we see last week? There were plenty of offenses that you didn't need any exposure to whatsoever. And I kind of preached uh, about that a little bit about how you don't have to get exposure to every offense. Where, who do we have on the slate? We have the Vikings. We have the Patriots. We have the Steelers. We just talked about the Falcons. Like, there's too many other spots where I want exposure to, even if, you know, Alshon has a GPP type game. I can still make a ton of lineups with other guys that play well enough. Like, there's different ways to win a tournament, there's different ways to create a very good lineup. So, I'm really not that interested. Ajayi would be one of the guys because DraftKings $4,600, kind of like you touched on, Mike, the opportunities have started to go up a little bit ever since Carson Wentz tore his ACL starting in that game from week 14, 15, and 16, that three-week stretch. He's averaged 16 opportunities per game, which is better, but it's still not enough against a very good Falcons defense, and they've really started to come on. Um, later in the year, as we saw last week, great call. And that's where I'm looking. I want exposure to the Falcons defense because even though Nick Foles had the touchdowns for us in that game against the Giants, he didn't really have a ton of yards. And we know that yards a lot of times are much more predictive of future success because the touchdowns can kind of come and go. And how bad was that Giants team and pass defense this year? So I think that you know, getting a little bit more larger sample size, we've seen that in those two games, um, the, the Eagles offense averaged the fewest yards per game when you look at it compared to all other seven teams in this slate. And Nick Foles averaged the fewest passing yards per game compared to all other quarterbacks playing this weekend. So not interested. The one guy that I think you can make a case for, though, is Zach Ertz, because if you go take a look at what Ertz has done, he was able to continue to have success even with Foles. And if we think that the Eagles are going to lose at some point, Foles is going to be forced to throw. And it looks like Ertz, who obviously was a huge piece with Wentz, has kind of become Foles' security blanket, um, you know, so to speak. He's, he's a huge part of this offense. So he's the one guy that has continued to be pelted with targets that you can make a case for. But I'm looking some other directions as well, and we'll, we'll get to it when we get to those games. Chris Meany, you mentioned you liked at least a couple players in this on the Eagles side of the ball. Explain yourself. <laughs> well, I do. I do like Ertz. Um, you know, Ben already rattled off a, a lot of good stats, and you know, talking about it. And these two know each other from before the rookie season. They they hooked up four times uh, together with Ertz's rookie season, rather a touchdown. It's interesting that Ajayi's best game this season has come against the Falcons when he was a Dolphin. He had 130 yards on the ground and 26 carries. Now the defense is a lot better. I like Aguilar. And I think if you're looking for a, a wide receiver and just somebody who's cheap, I mean, $4,800, he's seen 22% of Foles' targets just behind Zach Ertz. He, he's led all slot wide receivers in fantasy points this season and touchdowns with eight. There's certainly a risk with playing him, but with, with Desmond Trufant on Alshon Jeffrey, this is basically the easiest completion that Foles has. I mean, he's tied with Ertz, Aguilar's, and red zone looks. And you look at Cooper Cup last week, he lit up the Falcons in the slot, eight catches, 69 yards, and a touchdown. So I think that there's... 
if you're looking just for that, you know, a cheap punt play, a wide receiver, I, I think Aguilar, you know, could rack up five to six catches and, and come away in this game with, you know, maybe seven or eight targets. So I, I think I, I like Aguilar. I can lean that way. He's actually my favorite Eagle of the Weeks bunch. 15. Because I'd like some tight ends this week. <laughs> weeks 15 and 16 with Foles, Ertz average 11 and a half targets, seven and a half receptions, 68 and a half receiving yards, and 0.5 touchdowns per game. So still pretty productive. Not bad. Moving it over to the Titans and the Patriots. Uh, Ho-hum. The Patriots are favored by 13.5 points, nearly a two-touchdown favorite in the divisional round of the playoffs. That is absurd. We have an over-under of 48 points. Uh, By my uh, research here, it doesn't seem that we need to worry too much about weather. Let's start with the Titans. Uh, let's try and keep it positive on this <laughs> podcast here, people. <laughs> Chris Meany, uh, let's start at the top. Let's start with Marcus Mariota. Uh, he's going up against a Patriots defense, which fantasy players, I, I'm sure you all know. I'm sure you stay informed. You listen to this podcast. You listen to the Fantasy Footballers podcast. You know that those numbers the Patriots defense was giving up at the beginning of the season, that is gone. That is a complete mirage because the last six weeks, they are ranked inside the top 10 for fantasy points against quarterbacks, running backs, and tight ends, and they're 17th against wide receivers. So they have clamped down. Bill Belichick has fixed things as expected. So the Tennessee Titans, in a, what should be a very negative game script, are you interested in Marcus Mariota? being a garbage time sensation a little bit not much i mean he was in a lot of the winning lineups last week already touched on the touchdown pass to himself i mean it's because he threw himself a touchdown right if you're banking on that go ahead but i mean there's you can put him in a couple tournament lineups because one obviously he's cheap and he looks healthy over 100 rushing yards in the last two weeks on 18 attempts there is that narrative of garbage time touchdowns there's all of that this team is most likely going to have to throw the ball a little bit. Uh, they've had some struggles this season against mobile quarterbacks. There, There's all of that. But I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, if you're banking on, you know, Mariota winning you a tournament like he potentially could have done for you last week, uh, you're really pulling there. And there's there's not a there's other quarterbacks, there's other options, but I can get behind it just a couple and pairing them up with with Walker, which we can talk about in a little bit. But for the most part, he's he's not on my radar. The running back position, Ben Cummins. DeMarco Murray has been ruled out uh, with his knee injury, as I mean, as expected. DeMarco Murray, his time with the Titans is likely going to be ending here. That means, once again, it is Derrick Henry who turned into an absolute steamroller against the Kansas City Chiefs. Granted, uh, it really started to happen when they lost Chris Jones on the defensive side of the ball. So are you buying into Derrick Henry uh, that was him or that was more a product of the Kansas City defense losing one of their star players? Well, I was buying in last week. I think a lot of us were, and you know that and that was a lot of fun to see. I love Derrick Henry as a player, but this week, not so much because there's a number of different factors. He's, at least on DraftKings, he's now shot up. Well, okay, so because Meany, I'll throw this out there and then I'll let Meany talk about FanDuel because FanDuel is different. But on DraftKings specifically, he shot up $1,300. And like you said, Mike, a lot of that production came in that second half when the Titans came all the way back 
That's not going to happen this week. It's just not. They're playing in New England. New England's going to blow them out or win pretty comfortably. I feel very confident saying that. So that's not going to happen. And Derrick Henry, who can catch passes, that's not his go-to, and that's not the Titans' offense go-to. So I see his upside being capped. Now, having said all that, I'm, I'm basically talking from that tournament standpoint. I'm not very interested in tournaments, but if you are playing cash, he does make sense because obviously these last two games with DeMarco Murray out, okay, he's averaged 27 and a half opportunities per game, 154 total yards per game and a touchdown per game. Like that's Le'Veon Bell type stuff. So that's great. And you can lock that opportunity in, but I just think that in tournaments where he costs a lot more on DraftKings, that's going to cost you the ability to go get some of these other studs. And due to recency bias, we just saw that Henry's going to be pretty high owned. Last week was the week to play him on DraftKings and tournaments, not this week. But Mina, you can jump in and talk about how the pricing on FanDuel is, if you want to play Henry, that's probably where you should play him, right? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy. On on DraftKings, I mean, you look at him and you see, what, the third most expensive running back. And you see on FanDuel, he's, there's eight other running backs more expensive than him. Latavius Murray is more expensive than J.H.I. is. Latavius Murray? Yeah, I mean, he's $6,700 Craziness. on, on FanDuel. And he's in almost every single one of my lineups because of that. And because you get that full point on DraftKings, I mean, it, there's this narrative that he can't catch. He didn't catch much in college. And we did have a 66-yard catch uh, for a touchdown a couple weeks ago. I think he can catch. And that is the way that you attack the Patriots. You need to have that running back that can that can catch. They've allowed a lot of uh, catches to backs. But that's why I, I kind of stay away from him on, on DraftKings. On a fan duel, I mean, you can't ignore that he's averaged 4.79 yards per carry in 13 games over the last two seasons when he's had at least 10 carries. He's touched the ball uh, 25 times and totaled 181 yards and a touchdown. It's it, what he did last week. You know, Ben, you just mentioned all the, the opportunities, 54 touches in the last two games. When this guy gets the ball, he's been productive. He really has. And you got to go back and to look at the last year and then look at this year when he's been given the opportunity. On FanDuel, you can't ignore that price. Again, $6,700. You don't got to worry about that full point for the catch. If he catches a couple, two or three, get that half point and move on. But I think he's good. I, I do think he's going to be a big part of this offense. They're going to want to slow the pace down a little bit. It's just you wonder if he can be successful. I think he's a must on. It's on just FanDuel. craziness because he's a better FanDuel type of player. Because yes. I. I'm, and Latavius is yeah, too. I'm firmly with you, meaning that I absolutely believe he can catch. He can, but are they going to utilize him in that manner a ton in this game? I don't think so. So better FanDuel player, much cheaper on FanDuel, play Derrick Henry on FanDuel and, and fade him on DraftKings. Yeah. The, my question for Derrick Henry is just athletically, look, get it, he's a stud, but he is absolutely a locomotive that it takes it takes some time for him to get things going once he's going he's nearly unstoppable but to be that pass catching back and run those types of routes and with with really quick agility and with the wheel route and things like that will he be able to do that against the Patriots I have my personal concerns that they won't they'll want to utilize him like that because we know that New England is susceptible there but I don't think they'll be able to get him going but that's enough Derrick Henry talk for a lifetime (laughs) We're gonna move it over to the move it over to the wide receiver position. Chris Meany was K I S S I N G up in the tree with Eric Decker, and he came yeah. through. I, well, he he almost broke your hearts. Oh, yeah. 
with that with that that dropped touchdown. But then of course he caught one. So it was all all sins were forgiven for Eric Decker. Chris Meany, are you feeling any of these guys, or is it just Delaney Walker, the the real number one target for Mariota or Bust, or or do you like some of these guys as the plugins? For a real yeah, I, I mean, maybe I'm crazy here. I like the Titans a little bit more than you guys do. I understand that New England's going to have their way, but this is a team that's going to have to play catch up. They're going to have no choice. They're going to have to throw the football. And there's two games on this slate that I just don't really like. And this is one of them that I like. And the Patriots are so expensive that you have to try to find some cheap guys elsewhere. And I know you're really rolling the dice here with this receiving core and Corey Davis and Richard Matthews. But the one thing I do like about Decker is he's known to be a red zone threat. We've seen that over the course of his career. Red zone targets are there. The touchdowns have been there. We saw it last week. He didn't do a whole lot. You're right. He saved us with that touchdown, but he has at least five targets in six straight games. You cannot say that about Rashard Matthews, and you can't say that about Corey Davis, and he probably has the best matchup, really, in terms of which guys he's going to go up against in New England. So I can get behind Decker. He's cheap. He's $3,800 on DraftKings. He's $4,800 on FanDuel. But the one guy that I do like the most, as you mentioned him, is, is Delaney Walker. He's just consistent. Uh, the targets are always there with him and I th- you have to go back I mean he's had at least five targets in 15 of his 16 games actually 15 straight and 16 of his seven he's had five targets so you know that Mariota that's that's his number one option if the legends are true what we know about Eric Decker is he's always coming up big <laughs> moving over to the New England Patriots. I like Corey Davis by the way I like Eric- Corey Davis oh okay well thank- thanks for chiming thanks. in Ben yeah, play, play, play <laughs> both of those guys in tournaments. Why not? The New England Patriots, touchdown, Tommy. Uh, he's going to cost you a pretty penny, but are you playing Tom Brady? I am. Tommy? I'm paying up for Tom Brady, and again, specifically. And the, the, look, the, the Titans defense, sorry to interrupt you, but the Titans defense, they are, they're nothing to sneeze at here. Am I right? Because the final six weeks, eighth against fantasy quarterbacks, seventh against fantasy wide receivers, yes. The Chiefs really opened up against them uh, in the first half, but maybe that's just those playoff jitters for these players on the road, and they got it together. They so they've they're kind of through that, right? They are ready to play in the playoffs. So their defense is not bad. If that's really how they got into the the playoffs to begin with. So Tom Brady against this defense. Yeah, they've been better, but you know, you look at a lot of matchups this week. We don't have that many games. There's a lot of tough matchups for quarterbacks that we like. Tom Brady's at home. The Titans have been better, but they still haven't been that great. They were ninth worst in pass DVOA for the whole year. They allowed the eighth most passing yards. And then I think I touched on this a little bit last week. I like to look at point differential on the whole season. The Patriots scored 162 more points than their opponents, and the Titans scored negative 22 they were outscored on the entire year so <laughs> it's it's improved by a couple okay, points okay, now, but, but so 184 point difference and that's really the only big one the only other kind of lopsided point differential difference there is the eagles and of course they don't have carson wentz now so obviously this is where you know we really should be starting every single lineup to try to unlock this slate and find the upside. And so for me, at least looking on DraftKings and doing a lot of lineup building, I was shocked to see that Brady really wasn't all that much more expensive than the other options. So because of that, I, I have to pay up and I have to get him because he just makes so much sense. He leads all quarterbacks playing this weekend in passing yards per game, pass touchdowns per game, 
looking on DraftKings, DraftKings points per game, the Patriots offense as a whole kind of correlating with that uh, point differential. They've scored the most points out of every single team on the slate. They were literally first in total offense, which is yards per game on the season. And they're at home. So I just, I'm, I'm basically going with the Patriots onslaught. And the one guy that I feel very good about pairing with Tom Brady is Rob Gronkowski. And so that's the main person that I'm going at the tight end position uh, with is because Gronk is just a stud. I mean, and if you look at what he's done in the playoffs alone the last couple of years when he has been healthy, when the Patriots need him the most, over his last five games, he's caught at least one touchdown in all five playoff games, and he's averaging 10.8 targets, 6.2 receptions, 86.2 receiving yards and 1.2 touchdowns per game over a touchdown per game. We know how prolific Gronk has been. So that's where I'm starting. And then I love me some Brandon cooks as well. That's one of the receivers I prefer over Julio Jones. Um, you know, obviously mostly talking tournaments here, but cooks is the perfect as we touched on many times throughout the year, the perfect tournament wide receiver kind of a la Ted Ginn last week. We saw what Ted Ginn did, and this is a matchup. Yes, they have been better, but I'm just not buying in. Um, I absolutely think they're beatable, and I think Cooks can have a huge game here where some people might be afraid to pay up for him because of all the other options because of the up and down nature that Cooks can have. So that's where I'm starting, and then, of course, there's more. There's Chris Hogan. Chris Hogan is back. Chris Hogan is a guy that really... He's off the practice. He's off the off injury, the injury report. report. So he is that. going to play, and he's a guy that really excites me in tournaments because, first of all, on DraftKings, he's pretty affordable. He's fifty two hundred dollars, so he's a guy that you can plug in. And basically, is he affordable? Check. Will he be somewhat low owned? Check. Because of course, when a guy misses this much time, they are almost always much lower owned than they originally would be. And he gets a benefit from that same Patriots offense. So I'm making teams with Brady and Gronk and Cooks, but then I'm also going Brady, Gronk, and Hogan because Hogan saves you so much salary uh, going down from from Cooks to Hogan that it can unlock some some more you know ability for you to get some other better wide receivers in there or get some running backs in there that you feel better about. So Cooks in the good ma- or Hogan in the good matchup hasn't played in forever, but when he was playing, and this is the last point about Hogan I'll make is he was a full time player. He had five touchdowns in eight games before the first eight weeks of the season before he got hurt. So it's not like we're just um, you know kind of throwing him in and, and hoping like he was producing when he was healthy. Granted, there's some fear because he's been out for so long, but I think in tournaments, especially because of the spot and because of the offense that he plays in, you have to lean into that because he'll be lower owned than he should be. He has a chance to catch a touchdown. He has a chance to catch five for 60 and that could be huge. So those that's where I'm looking. And then the running back situation is its whole beast. And we can talk about that next. I just want to jump in here before Chris Meany is going to break down these running backs. I actually have my concerns with Tom Brady. Uh, the it hasn't really been talked about heavily. It's been Achilles, mentioned. Eh? He's the his dealing with an Achilles issue. Tom Brady, the last five weeks of the season, is averaging two hundred forty-one yards, one touchdown, one interception. He has uh, he has a couple games with two touchdowns each, but he's got uh, he's got. Uh, I I apologize here. I'm stuttering. 
he only has one game in the past five weeks where he hasn't thrown a pick. Things have not been touchdown Tommy rific the past five weeks since he has popped up on the injury report with that Achilles problem. So I have my skepticism about playing Tom Brady while I think that the general public will go, hey, it's Tom Brady and it's the playoffs. I'm going to throw him in because he's a stud. So that's that's just my piece. Let me just say this real quick. Brady. I think that the bye week helps a little bit. And then when you look at those five games, three of them were on the road. Four of them were divisional opponents. Um, so looking at all of that together, the time off at home, a better matchup than I think some of those were and getting Hogan back. All of those factors make me like him a lot. Yeah, I, I, look, it, it is. While I was making fun of the people playing Tom Brady in the, in the playoffs, it's still Tom Brady in the playoffs <laughs> yeah, who has had some, uh, some pretty <laughs> remarkable success. Just saying my lineups, I'm probably going to shy away and fade him a little bit. Chris Meany, the running backs, uh, how are you handling this? It's Guys are back. It, it, the last report on Thursday it seemed like everyone was yeah. back, even Gillisley, even though he will likely be relegated to the bench because Rex Goathead is back. The reports have him still uh, playing with a little bit of a limp, but he is improving. He is coming off an injury similar to Chris Hogan, and, and Rex Burkhead was an absolute stud for fantasy purposes when he took over that job. But Chris Meany, what are you doing with these running backs? I mean, I'm I'm really kind of avoiding them all, to be honest with you. What? You're in, how are you not playing Dion I, Lewis? I it played Lewis. Uh, you know what? I wrote up Lewis in cash because I... 6,600 on, on DraftKings. Right. right. Just let me get into it here. Okay, <laughs> um, fine. I, I wrote Lewis in cash and then I heard... Because I heard what you had just said, Rex Burkhead. I mean, he was hobbling around. He did not look good at all. So I said, okay, well, he's... I mean, Rex Burkhead is not going to play. I'm going to roll out Lewis. Lewis was in a lot of my lineups. I mean, I understand the Titans are really good against the running backs. I mean, the way to beat Tennessee, just to you know, talk about Brady a little bit more, and I, I see what you're saying, Mike. For the first time in 15 years, he, he threw an interception of five straight games. I mean, the Achilles, whether people want to say it's bothering him or not, I think it actually is. And he, one game, he was certainly missing Gronk, but he's got Gronk, so it doesn't matter. He's going to be fine. But Tennessee allowed a league-high 605 passing attempts this season. The way to beat this team is to throw the ball. And they were really good in the red zone against running backs. And for Brady, almost 50% of his touchdowns came within the opponent's five-yard line. So when this team gets to the red zone, there's probably a, it's probably a pretty good chance that Brady is just going to throw the ball. And, and, and for... To Deion Lewis. Maybe. Or to, or <laughs> to White. Or to Rex Burkhead. I mean, it's really a guessing game. I love Lewis a lot more. I will play him in some tournament lineups. But let's be honest here, is that every time you're in on a New England running back... They disappoint you. They really do. So for for what Ben was saying about Hogan, I mean, there was a time where he was leading this team in red zone targets. He was the guy for Brady in the in, in the red zone. There's a good chance that Brady will throw the ball. I like Lewis. Everything lines up. I mean, a couple red zone rushing attempts. But when Burkhead was there, he was stealing those goal line carries away from him. If you look at the last couple of weeks, I mean... He finished the season with five touchdowns over his last three games, three on the ground, two in the air on 12 catches. I understand the Titans have allowed a league-high 967 receiving yards to backs. It's the second most catches 
two running backs out of all the teams. So I understand paying for Lewis, but don't be like, I wouldn't suggest for people just to be going all in on these Patriots running backs and, and, and they're hard to trust in my opinion in cash. So I have no problem rolling out Lewis in tournaments, but it's a dicey game when you start thinking about which New England Patriots running back is going to be involved. And I would like it a whole lot more if Rex Burkhead was an actor. And I was game. kind of hinting at it. Like I'm kind of looking to take somewhat the the Saints approach from last week where you know, the running backs really didn't pan out, but Breeze, with that playoff experience, all the passing yards, he just wasn't finding the end zone enough. It finally started to happen, and he almost was the quarterback play. I'm kind of looking at that with Brady because of what you're saying, Meanie, but real quick, because I like Deion Lewis too, and I'm playing Deion Lewis. Let me just let me just talk about Rex Burkett, Rex Goathead, for just a little bit, because, you know, the, this, the, yes. the reports yes, are out there that – He's not 100%. He's got the brace on. He's struggling to stretch and all that. And that is scary. But that is. It's they lies. Don't need him. They don't it's even lies. need him. He's invincible. I, Mike, I'm with He's you. Invincible. It's lies because. And, and, and I'm still kind of <laughs> tilted about this, but it, it, it just. The first thing that I thought of when I saw that report was literally around a year ago, this time before Chris Hogan goes off against the Steelers, there were reports from, you know, beat reporters that. Chris Hogan was limping in the locker room. I mean, it was kind of similar stuff, and that caused me to be a little bit more cautious, and he goes off. So Burkhead is absolutely in play for me, and I will be playing him. Of course, monitor the reports, and I'll touch on it when I write the injury article here, and that comes out here um, tomorrow. But as long as he's active, we know that he, for the most part, has been the goal line running back. And I think the Patriots are scoring four touchdowns this week, this weekend at least. So the likelihood of Tom Brady handing it off at least once for a touchdown is pretty high. And to me, that's going to be Burkhead if he's healthy enough, if he's if he has his role. So of course, we have to watch because it's, you know, is he gonna be a full time is he gonna play his normal allotment of snaps? And we don't know for sure, but that's why he's going to be solo owned in tournaments, is because people are going to be afraid. If he does see about 13 opportunities like he was seeing after they started putting Mike Gillisley um, on the inactive list and kind of somewhat sharing time with Deion Lewis, he has touchdown upside. And that's huge at low ownership because I think and I like Lewis, too, but I think a lot of people are going to look at what Lewis did at the end of the season and just kind of think, yep, let's let's keep riding him, which could absolutely be the case. But we have to remember that Burkhead and, and James White were not playing in those games. And unless we see different, they're both going to play this weekend. So I like Lewis too. I'm playing Lewis, but I absolutely will have some exposure to Burkhead because he still has to me multi-touchdown upside. I get where you guys are saying with the, you know, they're going to score a lot of points. I'm sure Lohan went off, but just don't forget, like the Titans have allowed five rushing touchdowns this year. That's the best mark in the league. Frank Gore was the last one to score a rushing touchdown was week 12. Before that was Joe Mixon week 10. And then you have to go all the way back to week four, Lamar Miller. This is a really good run defense. And Brady will, I mean, it's, it's almost like given when they get inside. Yeah. You want to hand it off to Lewis and Burkhead. You got Gronk right there in front of you. 
That's why I think Gronk, in my opinion, is the best play this weekend. And he, you, they, he's un, you can't cover him. Yes. And you saw what Travis Kelsey, I mean, he was having his way, Travis Kelsey, in that game before he went down with a concussion. The way to attack That's Tennessee true. is in the middle of the field. They allowed the third fewest completion percentage, the third lowest completion percentage on balls thrown 20 yards down the field. You're right, Mike. This defense is not awful. But the way to attack them is through the middle of the field. I wouldn't be surprised if Gronk just Love ends. it. Gronk's a damn near lock for me. All right, Jaguars, Steelers. The, the Jacksonville's coming off an, an absolutely <laughs> dominating performance uh, where Blake Bortles Barnburner. had more rushing yards than passing. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was a sensational game, a, a, just a struggle of two defensive juggernauts. But now the Jacksonville Jaguars, they, they, they do get to move on, and they, they're going to take on the Steelers. In Pittsburgh, the Steelers are seven-point favorites. We have a 41-point over-under. Let's start with the Jacksonville side of the ball. Blake the Snake Bortles, who was, uh, he, he lived up to that name last week when he was slithering all over the field, absolutely willing his team to that victory. But it looked, it looked pretty rough, and Leonard Fournette was not much better. So, Chris Meany, how are you handling the the Jacksonville Jaguars? Leonard Fournette has been a fantasy stud for the most part. Uh, so, do you have interest? Do you want to play him with this negative game script? It's it's tough to want to play Fournette. I know it, the the volume has been there. I mean, he's had twenty three or more touches in five straight games. He's coming off a game with twenty four touches last week. You're right; he did not look good. And what you saw, what the Bills did, I mean, they just okay, Bortles. You're going to have to throw the ball to beat us. Oh wait, you only threw the ball once in the second half. You decided that you were going to run all over the place, and they did not prepare for that. If you're the Steelers and you look and you see Fournette, and you've already seen him so far, you see, you saw him earlier in the year. He set a season high with 28 attempts and 181 yards on the ground. And you're the Steelers and you're saying, no, not in our house a second time this season. We are going to focus on Fournette. We're going to try to make Bortles throw the ball and beat us that way. But on the flip side, since they lost Ryan Shazier, they've allowed 4.9 yards per Gary on the ground. And they've really kind of struggled. So I can maybe one or two tournament lineups just because he disappointed everybody last week and what we all thought, maybe not you, Mike, but a lot of people thought, you know, the matchup was right. He, he the touches were there. They're going to be there and he disappointed people. So I wonder this week and in that whole narrative of you know, stack the box and try to make us try to make Bortles beat you that maybe I can, I'll, I'll have him in maybe one or two tournament lineups, but for the most part, I mean, no thanks, because I feel like that's going to be Pittsburgh's game plan. Go ahead, Bortles, throw the ball. You, th- you had 95 yards against us in week five when you played us. Try to top that. Leonard Fournette is completely dead to me. Yeah. It- <laughs> See what I mean? Oh, See what I mean? Oh, that's the example. Oh, that's the, that's, that's the perfect example when you played him last week, you played him in a ton of lineups, and I'm with you, Ben. I played him in a ton of spots, and he let me down all over the place. And that's why I feel like if I can get this guy at two, three percent ownership on a somebody who's going to touch the ball twenty plus times, I'll take yeah, that shot. I'll say this: I I did not like him against Buffalo because he, despite Buffalo's poor rushing defense, it felt like a a prem, premium situation for the Bills to do exactly what they did and just completely sell out against the run. Of course, the Steelers can do that again. Uh, uh, they can match that game plan. I like Fournette better this week 
than I did last week, which maybe that's not saying much because I, <laughs> I didn't put him in any of my lineups last week. But I, I don't completely hate the idea of, of Jacksonville trying to, to grind out this game with Leonard Fournette. Ben, jump in yeah, here. What do you I, like? He's about dead this to game? me. I'm absolutely not touching him. Um, <laughs> it, 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 does, it doesn't make sense to me. I'm looking yeah. at other contrarian plays. The one, and I think basically what we saw last week is somewhat going to play out again this week. Like you're not going to want a ton of exposure to the Jaguars, but the one guy that made sense to me last week, we just didn't really know because Marquise Lee was coming back is D.D. Westbrook. And D.D. Westbrook's price, at least on DraftKings, literally did not change. He was 4,400, which is why I liked him last week. He's still 4,400. And the confusion was cleared up a lot for a lot of the confusion that we had because even with Marquise Lee returning, D.D. Westbrook basically was his same, uh, basically had his same full-time role. He averaged 7.29 targets per game during the regular season. He saw eight targets last week, and he ended up being that kind of like surprising guy on a lot of tournament winning teams, or at least uh, GPP lineups that were really high up there. So he makes a ton of sense again to me because of the price, because of the playing time, because of the volume, and because I think that the Jaguars are going to be playing catch up. So they're going to have to throw. So there's that positive game flow there. So Westbrook is literally the only player on the Jaguars that I will have any exposure to whatsoever. I like Westbrook too. I mean, 7.4 targets per game is what he's averaging over his first eight. And if you're going with that narrative of this team stacking the box, I mean, Bortles is going to have to throw the ball. And if you look at last week, no other wide receiver had a catch. And all of the, the rest of them only had one target. It, it was Fournette and it was Westbrook. And that was it. <laughs> I mean, there's no one else there. Mm. So, I mean, he's had 51, 51 targets. The problem is he's only caught 27 of them because Bortles is just not a good quarterback. But if they're going to have to throw the ball, I think this game is going to be a grind. I don't actually see a lot of points in it. But if I like where Ben's going. I mean, $4,400 for a guy who saw, what, nine targets last week? And we only caught one of them. Uh, but he's, he's the guy. He's, he's Bortles' guy for sure. So I can get behind that. Moving over to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Big Ben and company really turned things around in the second half of the season offensively when they become became a, a dominant fantasy force. So, Ben, do you want to play Big Ben? He is at home, and the, the home roads right, for Big right. Ben are well-documented. We're not going to dive into them right now. But he's at home, but he's facing the Jacksonville Jaguars, who were a legendary passing defense this season do you have interest i'm in somewhat that interested um i've already said that i'm basically gonna go close to all in on tom brady so that's where i'm looking at quarterback but i'm somewhat interested in roethlisberger because the more i look at it like when i the beginning of the week um i think pr- i was doing probably what a lot of people were doing and just kind of locking Le'Veon Bell into my lineup because of the guaranteed volume and everything that he brings to the table. And if the Jaguars are susceptible anywhere, it's on the ground. But the more that I look at it and the, the, the positive reports continue to come out about Antonio Brown, I am actually kind of changing my thought process because at least on DraftKings, again, Antonio Brown at $8,100 is the cheapest he's been all season. Um, Le'Veon Bell is $9,600. And that $1,500 is huge on a four-game slate. That allows you to do so much. And when you really go look at you know what Brown and Bell have done 
Bell has that solid floor, and that's great. But again, I'm going to be pretty much all in on tournaments this weekend. And when you really look at it, at least on DraftKings, again, where I kind of look at most of my research, Antonio Brown has uh, over 27 DraftKings points in eight of his 13 games played. And Le'Veon Bell really only hit that number, I think it was five times in 15 games. So the upside is higher with Antonio Brown. And, you know, again, like you just touched on, okay, he's facing the Jaguars, so you can't really tell me that. Well, of course, we have some data to look at, and I don't think the game's going to be the same. So, you know, we have to t- we have to take this with a grain of salt. But in week five, Brown put up 10 for 157 on 19 targets. And that 19 targets, probably not going to happen again. But... Brown did see double-digit targets in 11 out of 13 games this year. He leads all pass catchers on this slate this weekend with 11.64 targets per game. Number two, second place is Michael Thomas at 9.31. So Brown has a 2.33 target per game advantage on his next closest competition this week. I think to some extent... Even though we're talking about the best wide receiver in football, he will be somewhat low owned um, for whatever that means on a four game slate because it is the Jaguars and because of the injury concerns. And I was there, too. Like, I didn't know if he was going to be 100 percent and maybe he won't be. But the reports have been very positive The at least the clips, um, you know, which isn't much, but the clips that I've seen, he looks good enough and we know how important he is in this offense. And to me, again, that $1,500 savings is huge. So to kind of bring it full circle, Big Ben interests me a little bit because I feel like Antonio Brown has that upside. I think he's going to do what Antonio Brown always does. I'm basically, my main lineups are locking Antonio Brown in because again, that low ownership percentage and playing Ben Roethlisberger on top of Brown is just a way to kind of make that contrarian-ish play pretty darn contrarian because I don't see a ton of people going with that stack because of the matchup. And the matchup is tough, but like I said earlier on, that's why I like Brady so much because when you really look at the other quarterbacks on this slate, there's not a ton that you know have great matchups or the ones that do, they're not the prolific type of player that a guy like Tom Brady or even Ben Roethlisberger is. Roethlisberger has the experience in the playoffs He was up there top five in pass attempts on the year. He's up there in passing yards per game on the year. And that can mean touchdowns. If Brown has a huge game, which he absolutely can, that can help Big Ben too. So basically what I'm doing is going, playing some Bell and playing some Brown, but I'm looking more, I'm going to have more Brown because it frees up more that you can do with that $1,500, at least on DraftKings. If Jalen Ramsey, Starts playing defense like Chad Ochocinco. <laughs> Antonio Brown right, was right, is right. going to have a heyday. He's going to score ten touchdowns. All right, Chris Meany, Juju Smith Schuster, Martavis Bryant, kind of the you know the secondary options here. Juju showed himself uh, very capable, very capable of being the one when Antonio Brown was out of the lineup. Do you do you have interest in Juju? Thinking that well, maybe Bouye and Ramsey are trying to take Brown and Bryant out of the game? Or do you think that Martavis Bryant would be the nice 
uh, swing. No, I, I, you know what you said first, I can get behind Juju being the guy and maybe less attention. And certainly there's that threat for, for Martavis. But again, I think this game is going to be a grind. I see like a 17 to 10 game. I, I, I see, you know, Brown is. So you're taking the Jags. to Yeah, I am. I think this game is, I mean, for what Ben talked about back in week five, I mean, big Ben threw the ball, what, 55 times. That's not the game plan to beat this Jacksonville team. If he didn't learn that, then he's, he's in for another tough game. You can't throw the ball 40, 45 times against this Jacksonville defense and, and want to have success and, and think that you're going to, it's a, it's a really good defense. I mean, both of these defenses, they're one and two in sacks that, that cornerback duo, you just mentioned a boy and, and Ramsey is, is it's so legit. We all know that. Um, I'm, I'm interested a little bit in just being contrarian and then just knowing the upside in the Steelers and, and being at home and the splits and, and all those weapons that how can you not be interested in just sprinkling them in, into a couple of your lineups. But for me, it's, it's bell. I want to play bell. I mean, he led all backs with 406 touches, 102 more than the next closest guy on the board this week. He led all backs with the catches in 85. He was second at targets, 106. He only had 15 carries in this game against Jacksonville and they lost that game. They're not going to go down this road and just give Bell 15 carries in that game. He caught 10 balls in that game. He's a threat, as we know. I just mentioned all those numbers. And LaShawn McCoy looked pretty good last week on a bummed ankle. It was pretty surprised with McCoy's effort. So I'm I'm in on Bell. I can understand, you know, spending up and getting Brown at, at low ownership of a couple years ago against Denver. He was, you know, a lot of people were afraid of him. He's matchup proof, and he already proved it this year. And with the injury threat, you can maybe even get him at a, a lower ownership. But for Juju, sure, um, I I like him more than Martavis. He's a little bit safer. But Bell is the guy for me. And again, I think this is I think this game is going to be. I like at the tight end. Uh, I want to talk about the tight end position, Ben. I've, enough yeah, of your Antonio like Brown takes. <laughs> Jeez. Okay, and actually, I like where Ben's going. I'm, ex- to I'm excited like where the- we're going too. I should have already brought him up. I'm surprised you didn't. Yeah. Yeah. So at the tight end position, you have Jesse James, or do you have Vance McDonald? Both of them. Clocked in at 62.7% of snaps in that game against Cleveland. That was the first time that Vance McDonald had been uh, over 50% and jumped up to 62. And he is, he Vance McDonald is an actual dynamic pass catching threat, unlike Jesse James, who he's, he's a fine football player, he's a good tight end, can catch a touchdown here and there. But Vance McDonald can actually do things with the ball in space. So, Ben, I imagine. That Vance McDonald is the one who's got you hot and bothered right yeah, now. Yeah, let's do the Vance dance, baby. I mean, they, <laughs> keep on your Vance pants. At least, on, when you at do least the on DraftKings, he's he's bare minimum salary. He's twenty five hundred. So and uh, double stacking tight ends was pretty successful last week. I'm looking at doing that with Gronk, just getting the stud locked in there, and then putting Vance in my flex to save salary, so I can go get some of these other studs because it's it's not. A, a ton. It's not a crazy large sample size, but Vance McDonald's gets traded to the Steelers late in the offseason. He doesn't have a catch for until week six, I believe it was. Uh, but then I really, really think that what we saw at the end of the season is really telling us that Vance McDonald is going to become a thing at the perfect time for us tournament DFSers in a small slate because at the end of the season, 
Weeks 14 and 16, he saw a total of 11 targets. He caught four passes in each one of those games for a total of 104 yards. What about week 15? He was hurt. And that was the other problem with Vance McDonald this year was not only did he start slow, but he was hurt and he missed a number of games. And so it's very easy to laugh off Vance McDonald. I understand. But again, from a DFS perspective, from a one game perspective, we just need Vance to stay healthy. After that game against the Texans, when he had all four of his catches, I believe in the first quarter before it just became an absolute blowout, Todd Haley, who, you know, again, hopefully he's not just feeding us one of these coaching lines like everybody else. And you have to be aware of that. But it did get me kind of excited. He said after that game that Vance McDonald is going to be a big, key to what they do moving forward. And you saw that in some of those games, Jesse James is still getting a lot of playing time, but they brought in Vance McDonald to be the pass catching tight end, what they wanted Ladarius Green to be, at least especially in that game against the Texans. Um, Jesse James was almost exclusively used as a blocking tight end. And then when they wanted a pass catching tight end of the game, Jesse James would come off the field and they would bring Vance McDonald in. So even though the playing time is similar, the role for Vance McDonald is more important because he's running more pass routes. I absolutely see that being the case. You know, uh, Meany, you made a lot of good points about Bell there and why, come on, you got to have some Bell because again, it's easier to attack the Jags on the ground game. And what did they, what did the Steelers do last year in the playoffs? Bell was fed, I mean, close to 30 carries in both games before he got hurt. So I I see the volume being there for Bell, but of course they need him to be healthy so that they can try to beat the Patriots, so that they can beat the Patriots. So they're going to continue to throw. That's what Todd Haley's done to at least to some extent. You're going to see, you know, the spread offense to try to get some good mismatches. And Vance McDonald is one of those mismatches to your point, Mike. He is a dynamic player. He is good at run after the catch. And I've seen them trying to do some of this. And the best part and the reason why I'm so excited, not only is he dirt cheap, he's literally the cheapest he can be on DraftKings, but because he didn't do a lot throughout the season, and I think there are some reasons for it, I think you can lock this guy in at a very low ownership percentage. And by the end of the first quarter, what he's already got three for 37, a lot of people are going to be kicking themselves, but we're not. We're going to be doing the Vance dance, baby. <laughs> I like uh, it. Okay. Oh, if, Vance if, refrigeration. If you, yeah, there it is again. Which apparently <laughs> was that the office. It's an office thing. So I got to thank you, yeah, the, listener, the listeners for yeah. that. Yeah. All right. Do a stretch. Shake the hands. We got one game left. Saints, Vikings. This is the game that I am looking forward to of two juggernaut teams. The Vikings are at home. They are favored by five. We have a 46.5 point over under. We are in the dome. We have the grudge match where the Saints came into town to start the season. It was a different quarterback. It was Sam Bradford who absolutely dissected the New Orleans Saints. However, the Saints defense has vastly improved since that game. Let's start on the New Orleans offensive side of the ball. Chris Meany. Drew Brees, are you buying in, or is he back? Is he back to the fantasy golden child, or was that just an off game for Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara, and things will will slide back as they did during the regular season? 
No, I think I think Breeze and company, they're going to be in tough, man. I, I really like this Vikings defense. Total defense, rank number one. Scoring defense, number one. Third down defense, number one. Uh, average QBR rating, 73, third best. Average rushing yards allowed, second best. Wide receivers yards per catch allowed, second best. Points per game allowed at home, 12. Best in the league. Touchdowns allowed at home, eight. Best in the league. Yards per game allowed at home. You guys know where I'm going. Best in the league. I like this Vikings team a lot, and they have a top corner. What happened with Carolina is they got beat by those two backs in Ingram and Kamara twice that they focused so much on those two running backs. They didn't have the cornerbacks and anybody that could help out in the secondary, and Thomas just ate. And you have a guy in Xavier Rhodes. I mean, it's just it's such a complete defense I love this game from a fantasy standpoint. I just like Minnesota a lot more. Like Thomas is going to get his targets and, and he's a lock to get double digits most likely, even against Xavier Rhodes. I just, I'm, I'm not, I'm not in on the Saints and Drew Brees. I can understand maybe Ginn a little bit. Kamara is somebody perhaps is another contrarian play like Leonard Fournette is somebody who disappointed and really only saved the day with a touchdown, but that wasn't enough considering his price. I'm just really buying in on this Vikings defense. All right, Ben, are you are you buying in the same way that you just you don't really want exposure to this this New Orleans offense? I mean, you have Ted Ginn looked mighty fine last week on the turf and he will be inside a dome once again. I know it's on the road, but I like Ginn. Are are you are you doing anything with the Saints, Ben? I'm pretty much right there with Chris Meany. Um you guys are ridiculous. Ginn, the Saints would, are the Saints are marching through and they're beating the Vikings. Uh, no, You're look no, like no, fools, I got the Vikings. I, got the Vikings. No, I would yeah. love to hear your thoughts on the specific players, but just real quick, like I'm, I want more exposure to the Vikings too. But that to what you guys just touched on, that is if I'm going Saints exposure, that's what I'm looking at is not Fournette, but Alvin Kamara having the bounce back because it's just going to be a completely different game than what we saw last week. Like the Saints were able to get whatever they wanted in the passing game. I just don't see that happening with all the statistics that Meany threw out there. Like the Vikings, we throw all this love at the Jaguars. I mean, I, I think it's easy to forget the Vikings, me included sometimes. Like I, the Vikings are the best defense in football, a little bit over the Jags to me. And they're at home, and that's huge to me. So Kamara is the guy that if the Saints want to win this game, he's going to have to be targeted like he was kind of getting targeted before and right after the concussion and not what we saw last week. Like Kamara has double digit target upside in this game because with Rhodes on Michael Thomas and I don't see Ted Ginn catching another bomb like that. So I think he's a pretty easy fade for me in tournaments because the ownership will be too high and it's not happening. Kamara is that guy, but I would interested to hear what you have to say because I like some Vikings players that I'd rather touch on. It's, I think it's going to be a tough, tough game for the Saints, but I just, I, I think that they're going to win. It's uh, Ingram and Kamara. I, I think they bounce back, maybe not to get you that return on value that they will cost. And I'm just, I'm just having some fun with Ted Ginn. I'm, I'm not, it's not all in on, on Ted Ginn here, but Michael Thomas is just so solid. We saw, uh, I love Xavier Rhodes. I mean, Rhodes closed for sure. I absolutely buy into that. But you cannot forget a performance by one Marvin Jones, six for 109, two touchdowns. Rhodes is not completely impenetrable. And if anyone's going to do it, uh, uh, Michael Thomas and Drew Brees, I think that they are able to get it done. We had Josh Hill 
Josh Hill get, being sneaky, <laughs> getting involved. Well, right. And I asked before we started if if that was just luck or fluke. And I I don't mind him at twenty six hundred dollars uh, because you know again with Rhodes. I mean, if Breeze is going to throw the ball here, and if they do struggle, I mean, Kamara. I think you're right, Ben. Is is you know he could certainly get double digit targets in this game, and Ingram can catch too. But I mean, for Hill and Ginn, it's it's easy. Those are easier matchups, and don't be surprised and if those let guys me get just some throw out this kind of sneaky nugget real quick, which I wasn't even thinking about. But the the injury report is causing it to be, you know, somewhat of a potential play. Brandon Brandon oh. Coleman has missed practice two days in a row with a neck injury. No, don't, no, don't do it. I don't, don't do it. No, now you're, now you're on the fight. I don't know right? when it happens, no. but if Coleman doesn't play, this is the need. The He's got the need. Of crazy GPP plays. Who would be the benefactor of that? I would have the need for some Sneed at bare minimum salary, $3,000 for a wide receiver, who, again, you could probably have for literally 3% ownership because who's paying attention to a brain of Coleman injury? But it could pay off. It could pay I off because like the Saints are going to have like to move it. the ball somehow. I mean, it was, I, I don't, I don't mind. It, it was so great last week. Willie Sneed just doing what he always does, getting wide open, pulls down a reception. You're like, holy crap, <laughs> Willie Sneed! Is he? Oh, <laughs> and, and right, right to the, to the, the back to the bench. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing to it's amazing to think like Willie Sneed was great yes. last year. He I was, was so excited. He was for just him. shy of It's crazy. Yeah. For Thomas, you're right, Mike. Like Michael Thomas, and and you have to give the respect to Xavier Rhodes. But for Michael Thomas, I mean, the targets are there every single game, and and the long catch too, forty six yards, forty three, twenty seven, twenty, thirty five, thirty two. He seems to have one of those in his game uh, every single week. So uh, I think it's a contrarian play, um, but I'm, I'm more in, like I'm like Ben. I'm it definitely is, the but the more right. we talk about it, the more I might have to get Thomas in some GPPs because Thomas is a complete and utter <laughs> stud. And I love you reminding me about that Marvin Jones stat line because Thomas is basically unguardable. He's a, he's a complete stud. Yeah, it was, yeah they, they remind me of each other that Michael Thomas is, uh, I think, a similar player to Marvin Jones, except better. Right. All right, let's yes. move over to the Minnesota Vikings. You guys can uncork your ridiculous love for the Vikings. It's not unfounded. I like them too as well for fantasy this perp, uh, this weekend. Chris Meany, we'll start with you. We're going to go with Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, both absolutely dominated the New Orleans Saints in week one. Now that was against Marshawn Lattimore in his very first game. So do who do you like more, Stephon Diggs or Adam Thielen out of the slot? I like Thielen out of the slot because he should be able to avoid Marshawn Lattimore. Um, and, and you're right. I mean, week one was phenomenal. And a lot has changed since then. Nine grabs, 157 yards in, in that first game. But he's just safe. And, you know, I wonder what his ownership will be like because there was a point where we were talking. It's like another week where he had at least five catches. It was him and, and Jarvis Landry every single week. And then over the past few games, he's been quiet and they've leaned a little bit more on the run. But for me, it's Adam Thielen. I think there's a better chance of getting a touchdown perhaps from Stefan Diggs. Three straight just to, the year. Yeah. Yeah. Just to avoid a lot of more uh, Eileen Thielen there. All right, Ben, how are you handling the running backs? Uh, Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon, do you like? Uh, do you got, want the speed, the agility, or do you want the man who runs like a brick wall and about at the same speed 
that you would <laughs> yeah. think that a brick wall. Yeah, could Latavius run. Murray is a dope, and this is not the type of game that's going to allow him to have a good game. Like the Saints, although I think the Vikings are going to win, the Saints, to your point, Mike, they're going to be very competitive. They're a great team. So this is not that type of game for me. Love both pass catchers. Want to mix and match because I like Thielen a little bit better, but Diggs is cheaper. Get some exposure to both. But the one guy that – because I really like getting Vikings exposure. It just tells me that this is a good – place a good game to get some Vikings exposure. So using that top-down approach, especially because this running back slate to me is kind of weird. Like I'm playing Bell in a lot of places, but when I don't play Bell because he costs so much and I'm going to get Antonio Brown and some of these wide receiver studs, like you have to find some cheap options. And I just don't really love any of the cheap options. And Jarek McKinnon is a guy that gets me excited because again, this kind of what you were saying, Mike, like this is my favorite fantasy game of the week just because both teams are going to put up some solid stat lines somewhere. And I can see McKinnon, who is a dual threat. He, you know, he gets carries every week, just like Murray does. Murray gets more, but he does see some as well. And then he has the targets. Um, It's not a ton, but average 4.67 targets per game um, as soon as Dalvin Cook tore his ACL. So this is starting in week five. And we've seen him have some high upside games through the passing game. So McKinnon, especially on DraftKings where it's full PPR and he's 4,900, that's cheap enough for me. And it gives me some contrarian exposure to a team that I want some uh, exposure to, the Minnesota Vikings. So I continue to like, or I shouldn't say continue, but I'm starting to like McKinnon more and more the more I think about it. I will just throw Murray on FanDuel. I know it's tough to to pay for Murray at 68 when you can get um, Henry cheaper. But ever since Cook went down, and I think that was all the way back in week five, Murray has averaged 18 touches and 75 yards from scrimmage since. And he's got eight touchdowns on the year, three in the last three games, seven in his last eight games. I do think that this game will be competitive. I know the spread is it's jumping towards Minnesota. I mean, it's I think it's at five now. Uh, it, it, they're almost making you want to bet the Saints. I th- I think that this game is competitive, but there is an outside chance that you know the site the Saints do struggle a little bit and and they run the ball. Um, but again, it's it's only a Fanduel play because he doesn't catch. And of course, fellas, sixty-one rushing attempts in his last three games too. That's that's a lot. Case Keenum was thrust into action uh, after the Sam Bradford injury. It looked like it was going to be a, a terrible and lost season for Minnesota when he sucked against the Pittsburgh Steelers. However, since then, Case Keenum has been a very reliable quarterback, dare I say a good quarterback, and he's been a reliable fantasy quarterback, having many games with multiple touchdowns. And So how are you feeling, Chris, about Case Keenum against this team who the New Orleans Saints who the past six or the final six weeks of the season 24th against fantasy quarterbacks and we saw what Cam Newton did to them in a comeback effort yeah, you're right. Cam Newton, who hasn't, you know, even, I mean, he hardly hit the 200 yard mark passing over the last seven games and he racked up 349. Further to that, the Saints allowed almost 300 to Matt Ryan, who hasn't hit that number uh, a lot this year. 349 to Jameis Winston. Those are the last three games. It's amazing to look at these quarterbacks like Case Keenum, Nick Foles, Blake Bortles, Marcus Mariota have a combined three playoff starts. Three! going up against like 70 some odd starts in the other four quarterbacks in case Keenum has not had a start yet. 
in the playoffs. This is his first one. So you wonder if there's going to be a little bit of nerves and or whatnot. But I'd like Case Keenum. I, the secondary, as you just said, uh, Mike, has been has been weak over the past, you know, six or seven weeks, really. So Case Keenum for me and and all his weapons. And I know I just touched on feeling a little bit, but in that slot, I mean, Adam Humphreys had a, had a bit, 102 yards, seven catches. Um, you have to go back. Obviously, Julio Jones has been a beast. He doesn't play in the slot, but Mohamed Sanu had a good game, 83 yards. There's Cooper Cup, 116 yards. I, I think that's the matchup that I just love the most. And it's a stack if you want to get away from the expensive New England guys and Brady and Gronk or whatever you want to do there with some of their pass catchers. Keenum and, and Thielen is just this is one I feel. I'm on really the Keenum crew. Play. He's my second favorite quarterback of the week. Oh, yeah, me too. He's me your too. second favorite quarterback, and you have to wait for me to bring him up. Shame on you, Ben. <laughs> Shame <laughs> on oh, you, Ben. He just never just continues to terrible and, and, takes. And for totals. <laughs> It's the second highest team total. It's the second highest total on the board. I mean, Case Keenum has been, he's been pretty good this yes, season. He he's, his, his accuracy has been there. And one game against the Falcons, he was perfect in the second half. And he was perfect throwing the ball down the middle of the field in the whole entire game. He's 12 for 12. And that is because a guy like Adam Thielen is just very underrated. Well, there it is, ladies and gentlemen. Divisional weekend. We have broken down everything we can possibly break down. Thank you for joining us. We we wish you nothing but success this weekend in your DFS endeavors. Are we doing lineups? Thank you. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! I'm 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 good. For, I'm good for had, one or two things a pot. No, 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 man! I had the outro going and everything. <laughs> How? Oh, Ben! I thought because we went long, Ben, like, ben no, saves the day. We'll you. keep this short and sweet with the battle royale. DFS Battle Royale. I hang my head in shame and defeat after that novice podcasting mistake. I apologize. I, you know, I'm so ashamed of myself. I'm not even going to edit it out. I'm going to leave it in there for everyone to, <laughs> to ridicule me and laugh. So we'll keep these short and sweet. And because I am uh, so ashamed, I will go first. My quarterback. I'm doing it. Matt Ryan against the Philadelphia Eagles. I understand the floor, is, and there, I should say the ceiling has not been that high, but at $5,700, I like him to be a safe play. I don't believe in the Eagles' secondary. I don't think they can hang the entire game as Nick Foles ruins everything for them. I'm going with Leonard Fournette against the Pittsburgh Steelers at $6,900. Tevin Coleman. $4,400. Adam Thielen, I'm with you guys. Adam Thielen is my favorite or my preferred Vikings wide receiver. I'm stacking Muhammad Sanu with Matt Ryan. I got Eric Decker coming in here to save me some quiche at 3800 Gronk, smash. He's going in my tight end spot. And I got cash. I got some cash. You know who I'm putting in? Mark Ingram, who I think is undervalued at $5,600 in my flex. And I got the Patriots. Wiping the floor with the Tennessee Titans. I'm sorry, Tennessee fans. Chris Meany, who you got? Uh, I'm going Case Keenum as my quarterback. I got Lev Bell in there. And Freeman talked about him. I think he's grossly underpriced, just like Ingram, Mike. Uh, Thielen, a wide receiver. Nelson Aguilar. Eric Decker. I got Gronk in at tight end. I got Vance for Let's free. Oh, good. Oh, 
just I, I was feeling them too, man. I love the points that Ben brought up um, for sure. So that's kind of the way to attack them, right? In well, the middle and, of the field. And on top so, of that, you got and, Lev and Gronk into one lineup. Right. Which made me kind of have to spend down on defense. So I'm rolling out the Eagles as oh, my defense. Good luck with that. Ben, Thank you. you got? I have Tom Brady. <laughs> I have Deion Lewis and Jarek McKinnon. Uh, you know, like I said, I have some Bell too and some Bell and Gronk teams. I love that meanie, but I'm going to go with Antonio Brown. I'm going to believe in the best wide receiver in the NFL. I'm going with Brandon Cooks. I think this is a boom week for him stacked with Tom Brady. I'm throwing Corey Davis in as I kind of threw in there real quick as a cheap uh, exposure to the Titans who are going to have to throw. I'm double stacking Brady with Gronk. Gronk's going to go off. I have Vance mcdonald in my flex as well and i'm playing <laughs> the new england patriots defense because even though oh. i have Corey davis the patriots defense will give me about 10 they'll do what they need to do for me two out of these three lineups have vance <laughs> mcdonald oh i love hey, it so very Hope, much you know could be a fun week for us all right ladies and gentlemen this time the outro music is for reals good luck with your dfs action this week Make sure you're checking out the DFS pass. If, you, if you've slacked on that, you can get it for 10 bucks for, for the next couple weeks. Check that out with everything from Ben and Chris. I'm your host, Mike, the Fantasy Hitman Right. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.